Internal Revenue Service IRS Tax News. IRS offers overview of tax provisions in American Rescue Plan. Retroactive tax benefits help many people now preparing 2020 returns. Taxpayers with children should file returns soon for advance payments of child tax credit. So they're going to be giving out the advance payment related to the child tax credit. They're going to need the information on which to estimate what the advance payments should be. IR 2021-106, May 11, 2021, Washington. The Internal Revenue Service today provided an overview of some of the key tax provisions in the American Rescue Plan Act. Several provisions affect the 2020 tax return people are filling out this filing season, including one exemption up to 10200 in unemployment compensation from tax and another benefit many people who purchased subsidized health coverage through either their federal or state insurance marketplaces. So if you're filing the 2020 tax return or have filed the 2020 tax return and you have unemployment compensation, you may want to take a look at this a little bit more closely just to make sure you have done that well. Same with if you have the health insurance marketplace, which often results in having a decrease in the premium due to basically a prepayment of the credit that you're supposed to then calculate at the end of the year when you do your taxes for, in this case, tax year 2020 that would be done in 2021. So if you're in the health insurance marketplace, you might want to look into that in a little bit more detail as well, because there's a bit of a change that took place, both of them being beneficial, but you want to make sure you're picking those up and know what to do if you haven't picked them up and you did their taxes without picking them up. So in addition, the law also includes a third round of economic impact payments uh, now going out to eligible Americans that are generally equal to $1,400 per person for most people, as well as several key changes for the tax year 2021. The best way to keep up with tax law developments is by regularly checking the irs.gov website. Obviously, there's a whole lot more going on than normal <laughs> in terms of the law related to tax law. So you can find some of those changes on the irs.gov website as they happen, and we'll report them here as they happen as well. In the meantime, the IRS urges taxpayers who have already filed their 2020 returns to avoid filing amended returns, refund claims, or contacting the IRS about obtaining newly enacted tax benefits. Taking any of these actions now will, speed, now will not speed up or up a future refund and may even slow down an existing refund claim. So they're basically saying, you know, if some of these changes took place, so for example, one of the items being the unemployment compensation, that law came out kind of late, you might have already filed the tax return. In that case, you might not need to file an amended return, because usually the IRS is saying that they're going to basically take care of that on their side. If you file an amended return, you could actually confuse the IRS and it may actually take them longer than to, to get everything basically figured out. They're also in essence saying that calling them is not generally going to be beneficial because all the information they're saying is basically out there. So they're trying to get everything done through correspondence and through the website to get the information out. But most of these types of items, if you haven't filed the tax return, you can basically take care of them at this point, given the new laws to file the tax return, tax software can help with that. And if you have filed the tax return and they were done incorrectly, much of these items, the IRS is looking to be able to adjust them basically on their side, including like the unemployment uh, change. So instead, as noted below, the IRS will automatically provide these benefits to eligible filers. 
So we have the retroactive changes for 2020. Retroactive changes for 2020. Some unemployment compensation not taxed for many. For the tax year 2020, only the first $10,200 of unemployment compensation is not is uh, not taxable for most households. This tax benefit is only available to those whose modified adjusted gross income is below $150,000 during 2020. So in two, normally, if you get unemployment, usually, then it's all taxable. That's usually what happens. And if it's taxable for taxes, that's usually bad because if it's taxable, then your taxes will typically go up as you are taxed on it. However, they're saying that 10200 is not going to be taxable. So you might still get, and you probably still will get, a Form 1099 from the state, which usually is an indication that you need to include it in income. But you don't have to include it this year up to that 10200 or at least it should be not a taxable portion given the fact that we have the change taking place here, although there is an income limitation of 150000 for uh, 2020. The same income cap applies to all filing statuses. So that applies across the board. That's a little, little bit weird. I'm not sure exactly why that is, but that's the way it is. Now, uh, note that if you already filed the tax return and you included it in income, that's where the question about the amended tax return comes into place because this law happened late. So what about the fact that if I already filed and I included it in income, then I paid too much tax, presumably? Well, the IRS is, for the most part, going to be able to take care of that on their side, they're saying. They're going to be able to make the correction if you basically filed uh, it and you included it in income. So hopefully you shouldn't have to, in most cases, file an amended return in that case. So this means that those eligible who haven't filed a 2020 return yet can subtract the first 10200 from total compensation received and only include the difference in their taxable income. So if you have not filed, then of course you can, you can do it properly. Hopefully tax software can help you to do that. If you don't have access to tax software or a tax professional, you can possibly find it on the IRS website at irs.gov and look up free filing software and you might be able to get it if your income is below a certain threshold. For couples, for couples where both spouses received unemployment compensation, each spouse can subtract 10200 So each spouse can subtract the 10200 So details including worksheets and available on irs.gov forward slash 1040. There's a link to that here. For any eligible taxpayer who has already filed and reported their compensation as fully taxable, the IRS is automatically adjusting their return and providing them this tax benefit. Uh, ref refunds based on this adjustments are being uh, issued in May and continuing through the summer. So in May and continuing through the summer. So they're basically saying if you already filed, the IRS should be able to pick it up on their end without an amended tax return. So repayment of excess advanced premium tax credits suspended. Taxpayers who purchase health insurance through a federal or state health insurance marketplace won't report an excess re uh, repayment or attach form 8962 premium tax credit when they file. Now this one gets a little bit more confusing. So if you're in the health insurance marketplace, which means you would have got a, I believe it's a 1099A uh, for it, then, I'm sorry, I believe that's a 1095A that would be an indication of that. Then typically when you make the premiums, oftentimes they're gonna try to give you this advanced credit and take and reduce the amount of your premiums with this advanced credit. So once again, it's one of those situations where they're trying to anticipate what the credit is and then pay you it. But instead of giving you the money directly, 
they're reducing the amount of the unemployment. Uh, I mean, they're reducing the amount of the health insurance premiums. So you're basically getting paid in advance, but they're paying off a bill instead of giving the money to you, that being decreasing the health insurance. Then you have to reconcile that when you actually file the tax return at the end of the year. When you file the tax return at the end of the year, then typically you have to calculate what the actual credit would be, which could change based on your income level, which you would have no idea what your income level is until you actually file. And therefore, when you did the prepayment, when they lowered the amount of the insurance premiums, they didn't really know how much to lower it by because how could they? They wouldn't really know until you file because it's a progressive uh, tax system. So normally you would have to match up how much you got in terms of the prepayment by lowering the credit and how much basically the actual credit was. And if the credit was higher than the amount that you got in a prepayment, that's good. You get more of a credit. And if the amount was lower than, than the amount, I mean the actual credit was lower than the amount that you got in the prepayment, then normally you would have to kind of pay that back or lower the amount of refund that you would get by that. And that's the amount that they seem to be changing now. So they seem to be changing. They seem to be saying, this is my interpretation, do your own research, but they seem to be saying that if you overtook the premium uh, and then you calculated it and, and your actual amount of the credit was higher, that they might waive the fact that, uh, that you'd have to make the adjustment. There would be a negative adjustment typically. So let's go into it a little bit further here. The taxpayers use form 8962 to figure the amount of the premium tax credit, which is called the PTC. They are entitled to receive and reconcile it with the advanced premium tax credit, the APTC. So the PTC is the thing you actually know what it is because that's what you do at the end of the year or in the following year when you file the tax return for 2020 in 2021. Then you actually know what the credit is. That's called the premium tax credit. You're going to compare that to what was taken out of the premiums that they already calculated based on an estimate. That's called the advanced premium tax credit or the APTC. So they received through the marketplace. So you already got the ATCP taken out and you're comparing that to the PTC, which you actually calculate during the tax preparation. If the advance payment was too little, they claim a net uh, premium tax credit. So if the advance payment was smaller than the actual credit, then the actual then you get more because you get the actual credit. You get the difference coming back to you. The process remains unchanged for taxpayers claiming a net PC PTC for 2020. No change happening in that situation. They must file an, a form 8962 when they file their 2020 tax return. However, if the advance payment was higher than the allowable PTC, meaning you, you filed the advance payment, you probably would end up telling them, you would have told them, hey, my income was, was lower than it actually was, is most likely how this would happen. And then when you filed the tax return, your income possibly was higher, resulting in the advance payment being higher than what you actually should have gotten after calculating the actual PTC. If that's the case, you would think that you'd, you'd have to lower the refund that you would get by that difference. But they they need to so but they need to pay back the difference known as the excess aptc the new law suspends the repayment requirements for 2020 so that's going to be the change here this means that affected taxpayers do not need to report the excess aptc or file form 8962 so you don't need to do the excess aptc the irs will automatically reduce the repayment amount to zero in addition the agency will automatically reimburse anyone who has already paid the 2020 excess APTC. So if you already filed it and you already paid it, the excess amount, 
then the Irish should make the adjustment on their side automatically. If you haven't, then you can apply this change. Looking and going forward, this is really a kind of a weird precedent that they're setting. I don't think it's a very good precedent, to be honest, because it kind of incentivizes people to think, well, now I'm going to go out to my health insurance place and, and tell them my income was very low in, in order for them to give me the highest amount <laughs> that they can take out to estimate the credit to be as high as possible to give you a higher prepayment, lowering the, the amount that you're going to be paying to the marketplace now in the hopes that they do this again next year. Because if they did this again next year, they would waive any, any excess premium that you took and when you did the calculation. Now, again, they're, they're, they're saying in the law, they're, they're saying that they're not going to do that. This, this is a one-time thing. So I'm not recommending you to go out and, and basically try to increase the amount of the advanced credit you get in the health insurance marketplace. But you don't really know that. I mean, there's no guarantee. I mean, if the market was still down, if things are still down, they might waive it again yet next year, right? So, so I, I think that's kind of a weird, a weird precedent to set. But there it is. It is what it is. Looking ahead to the 2021 tax season, child and dependent care credit increased uh, for 2021 only. The new law increases the amount of the credit and eligible expenses for child and dependent care. Uh, modified the phase out of the credit for higher earners and makes it refundable. So if something's refundable, these are all things that should be greater benefits, right? The new law increases the amount of the credit. That's generally good. And eligible expenses for the child and dependent care credit uh, modifies the phase out of the credit for higher earners. So it doesn't go away as your income goes up, you would think, as so much. And then it's refundable. There's a refundable portion which means that even if it goes beyond your tax going to zero, you still get you still get money back in essence, even though you're not really getting money back. It's a benefit program at that point because refundable means that you're not paying taxes. You're getting a benefit in excess of the liability. So the 2021, uh, for 2021, the top credit percentages for qualifying expenses increased from 35% to 50%. In addition, eligible taxpayers can claim qualified child and dependent care expenses of up to $8,000 for one qualifying child or dependent, up from $3,000 in prior years, or $16,000 for two or more qualifying dependents, up from $6,000 before 2021. This means that the maximum credit in 2021 is 50% more 50, I'm sorry, 50% for one dependent's qualifying expenses uh, is 4000 or 8000 for two or more dependents. When f uh, figuring the credit, employer-provided dependent care benefits, such as those provided through a flexible spending account, an FSA, must be subtracted from total eligible expenses. As before, the, mo the, the more a taxpayer earns, the lower the credit percentage. But under the new law, more people will qualify for the new maximum 50% credit rate. That's because the adjusted gross income, the AGI level, the phase-out level, the AGI, uh, at which the credit percent is reduced is raised substantially from, from 15000 to 125000 which is a substantial increase. Above 125000 the 50% credit percent is reduced as income rises at 20% rate for taxpayers with an AGI above 183000 The credit percentage level remains at 20% until reaching $400,000 and is then phased out above that level. It is completely unavailable for any taxpayer with AGI exceeding $438,000. In 2021, uh, the first time for the first time, the credit is fully refundable. So again, fully refundable, so it can go past basically 
zero, meaning it's not really a cre- it's not really like money back or refund at that point. It's kind of a business a benefit program. This means that an eligible family can get it even if they owe no federal income tax. Workers can set aside more in a dependent care FSA. For 2021, the maximum amount of tax-free employer-provided dependent care benefits increased from $5,000 to $10,500. This means that an employee can set aside $10,500 in a dependent care FSA uh, if their employer has one instead of the normal uh, $5,000. Workers can only do that if their employer adopts this change. Interested employees should contact their employer for details. Then we have the Childless EITC expanded for 2021. That's the Earned Income Tax Credit. For 2021 only, more childless workers and couples can qualify for the Earned Income Tax Credit, a fully refundable tax benefit that helps many low- and moderate-income workers and working families. So this is the one that usually applies where you have to have some level of income for it to go up, and then it plateaus and it goes back down. One of the factors also includes between zero and three children. So the credit goes up as well between zero and three children. Usually if you have zero children, the credit's pretty low and the income phase out is is pretty on the low end, but they've adjusted that a bit as well. So you want to take a look at that if you're if you're looking into the earned income tax credit and you don't have any child children. So that's because the maximum credit is nearly tripled for these taxpayers and is for the first time made available for both younger workers and senior citizens. So there was also an age kind of uh, cap on it as well, a limit. You have to be over a certain age and under uh, a certain age. And uh, so there were some age limitations that may have been adjusted as well. So again, take a look at that. Tax software, highly helpful for things like the earned income tax credit, especially with all these changes happening. It was complicated before. It's more complicated now, uh, but it might be beneficial. But it's the added beneficialness and changes and whatnot adds in complexity. Tax software helps to calculate it. So in 2021, the maximum EITC earned income tax credit for those with no dependents is $1,502, up from $538 in 2020. So available to filers with an AGI below $27,380 in 2021, it can be claimed by eligible workers who are at least 19 years of age. Full-time students under age 24 don't qualify. So if you're a full-time student under age 24, uh, then you you may be you may be a dependent uh, in that case, but in any case they don't qualify. They say the past in the past the EITC for those with no dependents was only available to people ages 25 to 64. So they have that income or sorry that age kind of range. I I think the reason that they don't allow full-time students under the age of 24 is because those individuals could still possibly be claimed as a dependent on the parents' tax returns. And if they were to give this benefit to them, then they might, you know, try try to claim as not a dependent. It would be an incentive for them to not be claimed as a dependent in order just to get the earned income tax credit. So I think that's one of the reasons they got these age limitations at all. And then one of the reasons they kind of had this work around with they change in the age limitation, but you still have this thing with the full time student under the age of 24. So another change is available to both childless workers and families with dependents for 2021. It allows them to choose to figure their earned income tax credit using their 2019 income as long as it was higher than the 2021 income. Now, this is really weird, again, because normally taxes are backwards. Normally, you don't want to have your income to be high for taxes. 
because that means the government's going to take part of your taxes. That's what taxes are. It's an income tax. So if your income goes up and you have to report it, the income, the taxes are usually taken from you by the government. But for the earned income tax credit, they're trying to incentivize work. So they're trying not to take away the earned income tax credit completely uh, if you work because they want they want to incentivize people to work. So in that in that case, it actually goes up as your income goes up and then it plateaus and goes back down at some point. Now, they got this kind of weird provision again where they're saying, well, in 2020, your income might have been lowered due to the all the problems that happened in 2020. So they're actually going to allow you to take the 2019 income if it would be beneficial, if it was higher. So if your 2019 income was higher for the purposes of the earned income tax credit, it might actually be beneficial to use it because it could result in a higher income given the fact that it actually goes up as your as your earned income goes up up to a certain level. Again, very complicated. It's a benefit. It's a good thing, but it's way comp way more complicated. All these good things, you know, all these kind of po possibly beneficial things in the tax code. Software helps a lot <laughs> to, to do that. So I would take a look at the software if you're in that situation. Okay, in some instances, this option will give them a larger credit. Changes expanding the EITC earned income tax credit for 2021 and future years. Uh, changes expanding the EITC for 2021 and future years include singles and couples who have social security numbers can claim the credit even if their children don't have social security numbers. In this instance, they would get the smaller credit available to childless workers. In the past, these filers didn't qualify for the credit. More workers and working families who also have investment income can get the credit starting in 2021. The limit on investment income is increased to $10,000. After 2021, the $10,000 limit is in, uh, indexed for inflation. So it's going to go up with regards to inflation. The current limit is $3,650. Uh, so let me read that one more time. For uh, More workers and working families who also have investment income uh, can get the credit. So it was thought before, you know, if you had a substantial amount of investment income that you may not qualify for the earned income credit because if you have investment income, you probably got a, a, a suitable amount of assets there <laughs> because you're getting investment income. You, and so if you're getting, you, you know, 3650 in investment income, it was, and now the limit is after 2021, the 10,000 limit is indexed 10,000. That means you must have a you know, a fairly substantial amount of assets in order to get the, the income from assets like dividends and interest. So, so that's why they, they kind of put that limit in there. But that's the adjustment as well. So investment income. Married with uh, separated spouses can choose to be treated as not married for earned income tax purposes. And uh, that's interesting. So notice that usually, you know, if you're married, you can't really file married filing uh, if you filed married filing separate, then sometimes some of these credits would be taken away because, again, it would it would cause people to possibly take advantage of the code of filing or change their filing components to take advantage of income limitations and whatnot. Now, there's I have kind of mixed feelings about that because, of course, if you take away the earned in, if you give someone who's single the earned income tax credit and then you take it away if they if they're married due to the incomes being combined, it's kind of a disincentive for the marriage and whatnot. But uh, it, again, it really kind of complex, it makes things more complex too. If, if, you, if you're married and you have to file your tax returns or figure it out two different ways, <laughs> fi filing married, filing joint, as well as married filing separate to see which is more beneficial. But in any case, that's a change too to qualify. 
the spouse claiming the credit cannot file jointly with the other spouse cannot have the same principal residence as the other spouse for at least six months out of the year and must have a qualifying child living with them for more than half the year. So it looks like a situation where that's one of those situations where it might be a quasi-divorce type of situation because they're living apart for a substantial amount of time, but maybe not. So there's often questions in terms of if you're married, can you can you file married filing joint, married filing separate, or possibly filing separate in certain instances if, if you're kind of uh, determined to possibly be separated or something like that. So you can look into that if it applies. Then we have the expanded child tax credit for 2021 only. Uh, the new law increased the amount of the child tax credit, makes it available for 17-year-old dependents, uh, makes it fully refundable. So once again, refundable, it goes past zero, fully refundable, and makes it possible for families to receive up to half of it in advance during the last half of 2021. So the fact that it's refundable means that it's a lot more predictable as to who's going to get it or not, you know, so they can they can more easily give it out kind of in an advanced format. So that makes it so they can give it out early. So that they're probably going to do that advanced payment and then and then reconcile it out when you do the taxes at the end of the year or in the following year for the for 2021. Moreover, families can get the credit even if they have little or no income from a job, business or other spouse. So and that's part of the the refundable kind of component, because it's, you know, if your taxes is, is if you have zero tax, you might be able to still have the credit in that case. So currently the credit is worth up to $2,000 per eligible child. The new law increases it, it as much as $3,000 per child for dependent ages 6 through 17 and 3,600 for dependents ages 5 and under. The maximum credit is available to taxpayers with a modified AGI of 75000 or less for singles, 112500 or less for heads of household, $150,000 or less for married couples filing a joint return and qualified widows and widowers. Above these income thresholds, the extra amount above the original $2,000 credit, either $1,000 or $1,600 per child, is reduced by $50 for every $1,000 in modified AGI or adjusted gross income. Also, the credit is fully refundable in 2021. So fully refundable in 2021 is a change. Before this year, the refundable portion was limited to $1,400 per child. So again, that's a big change because usually the credit, most credit, the idea of the credit is it could bring your income taxable, your tax liability down to zero, but not below. So the fact that it takes your tax liability below zero means it's not really a credit, it's a benefit program uh, at, that, at that point, right? Because it's not, it's not a refund at that time because no tax is being paid past, past zero liability. It's more like a, the taxes code is being used as kind of a benefit program. So advi advanced child tax credit payments from July through December, December 2021, up to half the credit will be advanced to eligible families by Treasury and the IRS. The advanced payments will be estimated from their 2020 return or if not available, their 2019 return. So they're going to try to send out the advance payment of the child tax credit based on the prior return. Uh, so you should get it early and then kind of reconcile it to the taxes at, that are filed in 2022 for the tax year 2021. For that reason, the IRS urges families to file their 2020 return as soon as possible. 
So obviously, they if you haven't filed your tax return, they need that you know they need that information so you can make sure that you get the advance payment of the child tax credit if it's applicable to you. This includes many low and moderate income families who don't normally file returns. Often those families will qualify for an economic impact payment for tax benefits such as the earned income tax credit. This year, taxpayers have until May 17, 2021 to file a return. The speed delivery of any refund, be sure to file electronically and choose direct deposits. Uh, doing so will, will ensure quick delivery of the advanced child tax credit payments later this year. In the, next, in the next few weeks, eligible families can choose to decline receiving the advanced payments. Likewise, families will also be able to notify Treasury and IRS of changes in their income, filing status, or number of qualifying children's details will be available soon. So you might be in a situation where you say, I guess you don't want the advance payment. I want to basically just file my taxes at the end of the year. Or you might be in a situation where you have another child during the year and you might say, hey, you know, I have another child. Could I get the advance payment, <laughs> you know, based on that, too, because you didn't know about them based on 2020. So those kind of details, uh, complications are going to I'm sure they'll address them at some point in the future. And when they do, we'll tell you about it. The IRS also urges community groups, nonprofits, uh, associations, education groups, and anyone else with connections to people with children to share this critical information about the child tax credit as, as with other important benefits. The IRS will be providing additional material and information in the near future that can be easily shared by social media, email, other methods. For the most up-to-date information on the child tax credit and advance payment, visit advanced child tax credit payments in 2021 there's a link to that here there'll be a link to this in the description